0: Hey, Katie.
1: Hey, Ben. What are we talking about today?
0: Uh, I think I'm going to keep it a secret. You are listening to Linear Digressions. Well, okay, let's not keep it a secret. We're going to talk about how to keep things secret, basically. We're going to talk about cryptography.
1: So the way that you really should have played that intro is you should have just said some kind of garbled language that doesn't really exist, but that I could magically decrypt and know what you were talking Mm -hmm. about, but nobody else could.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I could have done pig Latin or, pig Latin or something, but.
1: It would have been very. Every, I mean, everybody
0: knows pig Latin, right?
1: I think so. At this um, point, yeah. That's a broken
0: <laughs> code.
1: We are talking about uh, thinking about how you can use neural nets to do encryption and decryption of secret messages, which is pretty cool. Neural nets, it, there's, it's sort of at the point now with deep neural nets, like, what can't you use them for? Um, but yeah, cryptography I mean, was one of the things, yeah, that. <laughs> that they hadn't used them for yet but now they have
0: (laughs) that that was exactly one of my questions actually that's been kind of a recurring question as we've talked more and more about neural nets deep neural nets is it seems like this is so applicable to so many problems uh and actually i mean can i can i ask you that question what can't you use them for Mm. it's kind of a i mean
1: yeah, It'll I mean, date think... the
0: episode, right? Because right. <laughs> at some point, we're going to learn how to how to do everything.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. So I guess there's two answers to that question. One is that a neural net is probably not the easiest thing to pull off the shelf if you're trying to do uh, a uh-huh. simple, like, interpretable linear model. Uh, there are other tools that are better for that. And then there's all kinds of things that we can think of as, as kind of more advanced AI that neural nets aren't very good at yet so for example you might remember the episode um this was one of the really early ones actually about computers learning to tell jokes and that wasn't a neural net as it turned out that was a um oh yeah that was like kind of a mad libsy um natural language processing algorithm but i actually remember
0: one of the jokes it was (laughs) i like my coffee like i like my war cold cold <laughs> yeah yeah and just by just by listening to that joke you can probably guess how it's creating those jokes
1: yeah yeah they're all i like my blank like i like my blank that was i think the funniest one like they weren't particularly <laughs> funny so there's another thing that yeah that we can all relate to that neural nets are well again it wasn't a neural net but i haven't heard a good computer generated joke ever so mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: anywho But one thing they can do is communicate with each other in codes. Uh, This was a cool paper that came out of Google Brain fairly recently. And what they were trying to do here, it was sort of an experiment that had three different neural nets. And for the sake of clarity, they named them Alice, Bob, and Eve. And the idea is that Alice is a speaker, and she wants to send a message over to Bob, who is the receiver. And Alice and Bob share some... A private key between the two of them. So there's some string that they can use to encrypt and decrypt the message. It's the same string that they both have.
0: Right. And actually just taking a quick step back, what is a, what is a key? So like Pig Latin, as the example, you could say that that is an algorithm that you can use to take English sentences, encrypt them, and then uh, you can use an inverse algorithm to decrypt them on the other side. A key is a representation of the operation that you do on the on the string of text to encrypt it and then to decrypt it on the other side.
1: Uh yeah, that's right. So very often the key is just another string of text and then there's some complicated way that you um, create some function that takes both the message and the key and creates some third message that right. Looks nothing like the original message, but that if you knew what the algorithm was and you knew what the key was, it would be straightforward to dis to reverse uh, engineer the code. but that someone else, especially if they didn't have the key, would have a lot of difficulty trying to intercept that communication and and decrypt it
0: right. So you take a message, you take this secret key that both sides share. You smush them together to create this encrypted communication and then on the other end you use an inverse process assuming that it's a symmetrical uh, encryption algorithm to unsmush those things together and then you've got your key and your message separated again and then bob can read alice's message and the the idea is if you have someone in the middle like eve and eve does not have the secret key what she sees is a smushed version of the message that's been smushed with the secret key, and she can't unsmush it.
1: Well, that's right. But the way that they set up these algorithms is that Alice and Bob have sort of an objective function that's been designed for them, and that objection function has two parts. Uh, number one is that they want to keep their messages secure. So I should back up a little bit and say that Alice and Bob are not programmed in any particular way that suggests a, a an encryption algorithm the researchers just sort of set them up as blank slates and said, okay, figure out some way of communicating. And you want that way of communicating to be, number one, something where um, Bob can actually read the messages from Alice. And so he's rewarded basically proportional to how many bits of the message he successfully decrypts. And then the second thing is you want it to be as difficult as possible for Eve to decrypt. So Eve right. is standing in the middle and looking at this, and she's coming up with some kind of anthropomorphize Eve, but you can understand why. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she's standing in the middle and trying to reverse engineer whatever Alice and Bob are doing, and so she comes up with some kind of guess about what the plaintext message is, and she also gets rewarded um, for for doing a, a better job at decrypting that message. And so you have sort of these dueling uh, neural nets, both of whom have sort of opposite goals. One is to keep the message secure and the other is to crack it. And so uh, the algorithms were basically set up and it sounds like they've ran a whole bunch of iterations of this um, because the neural nets can be trained to do all kinds of different things and you wanna sort of see what are some of the possibilities here. And it sounded like a lot of the time it was not particularly successful. Like Alice and Bob never really managed to understand each other. Or they did, but then Eve was able to crack it fairly fairly quickly and Alice and Bob did not um, change anything that allowed them to recover from that.
0: Mm, so it sounds like a lot of these were failures.
1: Yeah, you could call those failures insofar as, you know, they didn't meet the objectives of right. the... Or at least, you know, like one side of the... Um, at least one of the at least one of the sides was was not successful in their mission, but I
0: guess yeah, I guess Eve was successful.
1: Well, yeah. So I guess like if Alice and Bob or Neville are able to actually communicate with each other, then I don't know if. Well, anyway, that's not the point. The point is <laughs> that uh, there were a few times where. Uh, there were some really interesting interactions that Alice, Bob, and Eve all had, and in particular, there's a plot that they show in the paper. Um, the link will be available on lineardigressions.com, where you can see the success that there's basically a trace that um, charts how successful Alice and Bob are being in their in their attempts to communicate with each other, and also at the same time how successful Eve is in decoding their messages and so you see that Alice and Bob start out not being able to really understand each other then they start to come up with some kind of system whereby they can understand each other so now the um, now Bob is becoming more successful at decrypting the algorithm but Eve is also at the same time uh, figuring out the same thing and so then Alice and Bob become aware of this basically that they they have an objective function that says you know, it's bad if Eve can read these messages. So then they have to evolve the, um, the, the function that they're using to encrypt the message. So they have to change what they're doing, hopefully, for them in a way that Eve can't follow along. And, and so they do that, and they manage to do that successfully, both with respect to throwing Eve off the trail. So you can see Eve's trace kind of dips a little bit into the realm of her That that indicates that she's starting to understand, and then it dips back out. Um, And at the same time, yeah, and then at the same time that it dips back out, you can see the trace for Alice and Bob uh, sort of continue along the path that indicates that they're that they're understanding each other. So that's a case of you know actually this really cool little like evolutionary state that they've reached with each other, where they're um, where you can see um, the exact dynamics here of of how they're solving the problem. So I thought that was extremely cool.
0: Yeah, that that is really cool. Um, I guess my question is, there are a lot of ways to encode a message. I mean, humans have been studying this, it seems like, since the beginning of time. So which of those methods that we already know about did they end up stumbling across?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. And the paper makes the point that actually they came up with an algorithm that doesn't look like anything that we use as a classic cryptography algorithm and it can be kind of hard to say anything more specific than that Mm because neural nets are particularly um black boxy type algorithms it's very hard to disentangle what's going on on the inside of them um so it's a little bit difficult for me to try to describe what the algorithm is in fact i don't think the the paper even really tries to describe it but um but yeah that's a really good question they basically came up with something that was totally different from anything that we've seen before
0: that's crazy that that almost seems um oddly frightening to think that we can i i don't know i guess i guess this is kind of where the fear of artificial intelligence and machine learning and all of that comes from is like if you throw these algorithm, if you throw these problems at these algorithms and these are very very well-studied problems the algorithms might come up with something that you know either one we don't know what it is or what the methodology ends up being or two it's beyond our comprehension because it's just difficult for a human brain to understand or it's obscured or or like i mentioned earlier dif- difficult to discover and maybe that loss of control is a little bit frightening for us as a uh, as a species or as individuals
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, It's not a super comfortable place to be as humans to see these neural nets able to talk to each other and you can't translate what they're saying. Um, One Mm -hmm. of the things that I thought was kind of fun about this though, and this is just an aside, this wasn't like a major point of the paper or anything, but there happens to be this sort of fact of the simplest architecture of neural networks um, that... They cannot so there's a particular uh, logical operation called an Xor. Are you familiar with mm-hmm. that exclusive or?
0: Yeah, so if you imagine you have two you have two inputs right uh, if if you look at an and gate, for example, then it needs both of those inputs to be true and then it'll return true. otherwise it'll return false. So for example, this is kind of a silly example, but if the light is on and if my wallet is here, I will find it. Now, if my wallet isn't here or if the light is not on or if both of those are false, I'm not gonna find my wallet, right? So that's an example of an AND gate. An OR gate, you only need um, one of those two things to be true. If both of them are true, you still get true on the other side, but an XOR gate or XOR gate, I never know how to pronounce it. it, it's an exclusive OR. So it only returns true if one of your inputs is true. It returns false if both of your inputs are the same, whether that's false or true.
1: Right, yes, Uh, well summarized. So one of the things that's kind of fun about XOR is that, and I've never actually heard it said out loud, so I'm assuming it's XOR, but I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I actually Googled it, and it seems that nobody knows on the internet. Everybody has an opinion, but the opinions are different.
1: Yeah. fair enough. But anyway, (laughs) so the thing that's kind of funny about XOR is it's a very simple logical operation. Like you said, it's just trying to tell if two bits bits are different, it returns true. If they're the same, then it returns false. That's pretty straightforward. But as it happens with the simplest neural network architecture, it's impossible to actually write a function that effectively does an XOR logical operation. Um, And so you have to, you can, you can effectively have XORs in a neural net, but you just need to have a slightly more complicated architecture and it happens to be a little bit interesting. Um, But anyway, the reason I bring this up is because XOR is also one of the uh, simplest cryptography algorithms. So you have your original string of, let's say they're just bits, uh, and then you have some second string and that is also bits, and then you take an XOR of your original string with your uh, with your key. This will create some third string that's your encoded message. And then if you pass that off to someone else, and they have the key that you that you encoded it with, then they can they can decrypt it and they can get the original message back. And this is this is one of the original ways to like send. Uh, messages is actually to send it through this XOR operation so i just think it's kind of funny that you know we're talking about how neural nets can be so smart and they've advanced past us in certain realms (laughs) but we should also keep in mind that that yeah they're a little bit hamstrung um unless we give them a push they can't do these very these very very simple things it was like almost like literally the first thing we figured out with cryptography i guess besides like you know a a very very simple like shift cipher that you could decode in in kindergarten um so (laughs) you know it's it's like a a lot of other things in ai it's like both very impressive and um kind of funny the way that it can just fall on its face a little bit sometimes yeah
0: it's it's actually it's surprising in some ways but in another way it's seems to be entirely consistent with this what seems to me to be the central thesis of most of our episodes which is Eh, it's complicated and no, there's not a single algorithm that's gonna work for everything. Um, You just gotta try a bunch of things and eventually you'll, you'll get the best results by combining different things in different ways. Linear digressions is a creative commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes, so other people get to listen to this content, too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com, in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at LinDigressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you
1: next time.